1: oh no oh yeah i finished these fights yeah, yeah. top rope nation learn to love it it's the best thing
2: going
1: oh yes we are back again it is episode 248 of top rope nation and boys it feels good because the crew is back together fresh off his trip from the UK. Some might say he's back and better than ever. Mr. <laughs> Kyle Ross, welcome back to Top Row Nation, sir.
3: So, what do you guys want to talk about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's How great was the trip, be- man?
3: It's great. And, uh, you know, I, look, there's a lot of hard feelings over there. I Let's make sure we have our Geographic lines drawn correctly. I was in Northern Ireland, technically part of the United Kingdom. I was also part in Dublin, which is Ireland proper.
1: Mm, Yes, you were. Yeah, so there's a lot of hard. UK and not UK.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah, there was, but you know, there was Euros, there was, I don't know what the hell there was doing, man, there was freaking Brexit, I don't know what's going on over there, I was just drinking.
1: <laughs> so, I heard you talk about it, uh, you and Liam just did a bonus podcast the other day, Top Rope Nation Extra, patrons can check that out, 90 minutes, awesome discussion, thanks to Liam for doing that with you as well, that's Liam O'Rourke from the Squared Circle Gazette radio podcast, uh, but... You know, for our main feed listeners who may not hear the Patreon shows, any highlights you would like to share, Kyle, of of your trip across the pond?
3: No, just a lot of drinking with the wife, and you know, I said on the Patreon, I had terrible gas the entire trip. (laughs)
1: That's amazing. Is that
3: what you're trying to get
1: out of me? I didn't know if you would say it or not. I didn't know if you'd say it for the uh, the main feed here.
3: Oh, it was horrible. My (laughs) wife was
1: looking to disown me by the second day. I mean, you saw. He told some great stories though of of going to some pubs, you know, that dated back to what the 16, 1700s? Yeah, sounds like right up my alley, man. I got. No,
3: you would have liked it. Yeah, yeah, they, they like look like it. You know, they had like the fire going in there and stuff, and because you know, I mean, you walk in, it's like freaking raining there all the time, so
1: and cold. Well, well, we are glad to have you back, Justin and I. We did a show just us two last week. It, it turned out really well, but it's just it's never the same, Kyle, without you. Well, thank so looking you, forward that's... to. This. <laughs> That's true, man. We gotta
3: keep inflating my ego, please. Say something, (laughs) Justin. (laughs) Say something nice about me now.
1: (laughs) Neither of us can do that high pitched squeal. You know what I mean. So hopefully we'll get that back.
4: Farting on vacation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Justin, joint. How's your week going, man?
2: Not too bad. Uh, Had one of those nights where you kind of question why you ever had kids because oh yes, they turn into absolute demons for some reason. But good. Other than that, good. Other than that, Uh, (laughs) NBA playoffs are going accordingly. Kyle, you're going to say something?
3: Yeah, yeah. When they turned into demons, were they asking? Were they lecturing you about Finn Balor and Ricochet or no? (laughs) 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 That joke landed with tops two people, but that's okay. (laughs) Other than you two,
1: just I mean your your son is getting old enough to get into wrestling. So are you are you training him in the ways of Finn Balor yet?
2: Not yet. It's pretty hit or miss. He has a Darby Allen figure that he mm-hmm. likes, but uh, the the last few times I've thrown wrestling on, he hasn't really paid much attention to it. So, I don't know, maybe another year or so.
1: Yeah. I am taking my oldest daughter to her first wrestling show in a few weeks. It's actually uh, the weekend before we go to Double or Nothing. I am taking her to a wow. WWE house show. Yes, indeed. So... We'll see how that goes, but it'll be your first time live, so I am looking forward to that. Looking forward to this discussion tonight. We've got some good topics on the agenda, kind of a, a news-centric show this week, and we're going to, of course, hit on AEW's big announcement last night of the Super Show with New Japan Pro Wrestling in Chicago in June. Before we do, I see he's in the chat here. Uh, Alan, Alan Awesome, got to thank him for joining the Patreon page. He is our latest patron uh, he's a main, no, not main event, a Hall of Fame tier patron of the show now. And there's only a few of those spots that go around. I think he is the fourth Hall of Fame tier patron of the show. So Alan, thank you so much for your support. Of course, if you join, that's right, round of applause. If you join the Hall of Fame tier, you come on the show with us every quarter if you'd like to. So Alan will probably be doing with a show with us in the future. So looking forward to that. Guys, if you want to join the Patreon page, uh, like I said, Top Rope Nation Extra with Kyle and Liam just dropped the other day. And then next week, a monthly edition of Top Rope Nation Classics coming. We will be reviewing at WCW Spring Stampede 94. You can see Kyle is jacked for this one. I, it, uh, yes. Yeah,
3: I started going through some notes, preliminary stuff, and I am psyched for this card, baby.
1: It's going to be fun. One of the
3: greatest WCW pay-per-views of all time. It has a very AEW feel to it, I think.
1: Should be a good discussion. We haven't done that many WCW shows on Top Rope Nation Classics. I think this will be our 29th edition of Top Rope Classics. If you guys have never heard them, I mean, they're two-plus-hour deep dives on classic wrestling events. We drop one of those every single month, and then Top Rope Nation Extra, the other Patreon bonus show. Usually a couple of those per month as well also got to mention this before we jump into the news tonight uh we always talk about on the show how we do these watch parties over on the playback app which is now public so we can tweet out the links and and put on facebook the links to those live rooms this week we're switching it up normally we do the watch party with AEW dynamite we're gonna be live friday night most of you probably listening to this on friday so tonight on the playback app watching smackdown so if you want our live reactions you want to watch the show with us please join us i'll tweet out the link at top rope nation i think kyle's reactions in particular will be worth joining you're looking for are you you ready (laughs)
3: are you ready for a good time
1: it is gonna be an awesome time and maybe in a might be a Bad time as far as watching you know, The quality of the show, we'll see But it should be a good time in that our comments Should be coming in hot And hopefully we'll have a good group of people on there To talk with the show about We can bring you on stage too uh, And you can get up and and talk with your webcam on If you want, or just your microphone It's up to you, there's a chat room live As well, a lot of fun And then patrons get a video recording of that Every week, the only way you can watch it on demand Is if you're a, a Patreon member But anybody can join us, so look for the link over on uh, Twitter.com slash Nation. So, boys, let's get into it. Tony Khan's big announcement. The rumors were true. A super show with New Japan Pro Wrestling at the United Center. The date changed. The original report from Super Cast, I believe, uh, from Voices of Wrestling, they had the date as the night after Dynamite, which would have been June 23rd, a Thursday. That is not the date. I don't know if that was the original plan and they changed it or what or if it was a fluid situation, but the show is going to be on Sunday, June 26th. It is going to be a pay-per-view. Uh, just let me throw it to you first. I mean, your initial reactions to this news. I thought Tony should
2: have called an audible on his huge announcement and and talked about how Fulham got promoted back to the Premier League and then maybe give like a bullet point presentation about all the <laughs> things he did to get them back into the Premier League. Uh, That's what I think personally, but uh, I guess I'm fine with uh, what he went with.
1: I'm more than fine with it. (laughs) This is going to be awesome. Kyle?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, it it beats, you know, reprising the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior 1998 feud like they did on NXT Tuesday. Oh. Did you guys see that, by the way? No, not not yet. No. Braun Breaker, Joe Gacy. They went Hogan Warrior. They went. The the seeing I can see him in the mirror, but you can't. Deal, very much oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, no, this is what we thought it was going to be. It' had been heavily rumored, and it appe- we're going to get into this at length. It appeals to AEW's existing audience. It's something people want to see, and that is a good thing, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yes. There's all kinds of dream matches. I, I do want to, in a little bit, talk about matches you guys would like to see on the show because we could start kind of fantasy booking it a little bit. Uh, you know, this is this is the show that everybody has clamored for. I mean, pretty much for the entire existence of AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling gave birth to AEW. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the mm-hmm. the promotion grew out of New Japan. Uh, early on, there wasn't a great relationship between the two sides. You know, when I went to Revolution, did the press scrum with Tony Khan, he was asked about potentially working with New Japan. And as I recall, this was in uh, 2020, right before the pandemic. He basically was like, you know, the doors open for me, paraphrasing here, but basically they didn't want to talk to him at that time. Um, And that he joked about how he was lending his talent out to New Japan, you know, like Moxley was working over there, for example, but they weren't returning the favor (laughs) But since that point in time, we've seen that switch.
2: I'm sure there's some hurt feelings on New Japan's end because, I mean, they're not quite at, you know, the peak that they were before AEW. And a big part of that is because, you know, Omega and the Bucks left. You know, they they had brought a lot of eyeballs to New Japan.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as far as the North American audience goes, um, I mean, I could speak for myself personally. I haven't been as interested in New Japan since the start of AEW, like AEW kind of satisfies that part of your of your fandom you know where you had to go to new japan before certainly to see those people but then like the style of the matches and the style of the product too
0: and
3: they've been hurt by the pandemic yeah arguably more than everyone due to the restrictions over in japan and you talk about the relationship uh wasn't it some of the hard feelings stemming from the way cody the box and omega announced the departure yeah. Was it wasn't yeah. that like the big story, like you know, they kind of like stole the thunder from uh, you know Russell Kingdom doing it the way they did. So yeah,
1: yeah, New true. Year's Day, know. like early in the hours of New Year's yeah. Day. Yeah.
3: So yeah, but it, it all seems well now and, and we've got this show that, you know, I, I think has a lot of appeal to it.
1: I was kind of shocked to see some people, and not even just you know, the WWE apologists, <laughs> you know, the people who will never give AEW a chance some people you know write about pro wrestling even who are like oh this isn't that big of an announcement this didn't live up to the Mm -hmm. hype dude I don't know man I mean outside of signing a big star I don't know how this could not live up to the hype I thought it absolutely lived up to the hype Uh, I think this is what the fandom wants that was a huge announcement and so for me Kyle it's pretty hard to take anybody who covers professional wrestling serious if you didn't think that this was a huge announcement yeah
3: Okay, first of all, we'll go there, but let's just backtrack one bit. With the whole big picture of Tony Khan and his major announcements, I've seen online, there's kind of a fatigue you see from some people. Oh, Tony Khan, a major announcement. One of these again? What do you want him to do? Like, I mean, to me, he's a pro wrestling promoter. He's going to promote. I made that point on the show with Liam, and – the hype for these things, first of all, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan and Justin. It seems that whatever these major announcements end up being, most reasonable people have figured it out by day of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, so yeah. if if well, you've worked something up in your mind that's going to be something that's a letdown, it's kind of on you. Like, I mean, if you wake up on Wednesday and think Tony Khan's going to announce nuclear disarmament, <laughs> you know, I, I I just that's just not grounded in reality.
1: Tony Khan met with Vladimir Putin last night yeah. and uh, the invasion is over. Yeah.
2: And it's no. just been two. It's not like he's doing this every week. You know,
3: nah, yeah. eh, we made that point on the extra show. We said you don't want to get in the territory of, you know, Tony Schiavone. Nitro. Oh, this is the biggest nitro of all time. Felt like he was saying that every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean. What do you want? No announcements? (laughs) Do you want the promotion not to try new things? I don't know. To me, it's something they've established when Tony Khan has a major announcement. There's going to be something interesting. And now let's get to the bad faith actors, shall we? Because this (laughs) is where this podcast is going to be fun. I mentioned, or because there's been a lot of, well, you know, who... Is this really a big deal? I mean, it it only appeals to AEW's existing audience. Well, again, I'm going to say for the third time in five minutes, that's a good thing. This should be their third biggest show of the year. Probably.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, besides Double or Nothing and All Out? All Out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the idea that somehow appealing to your existing audience or only appealing to your existing audience is bad. Is some of the most WWE pilled shit I ever done here. <laughs> Man, it keep in mind WWE is a promotion that, while still more popular than AEW, there's no disputing that, they've been siphoning fans for 20 years, in large part. Why? Because they don't appeal to their existing fan base. I mean, now yeah. we're at a point where we know there's one and a half million people who will watch, you know. Vince McMahon jack off for three hours, I mean, that, you know, I mean, you know, and then like, you know, one of the, one of the co-opted media by the time we get to the third hour, like, Ooh, oh, I wonder, I wonder if this, they're setting the stage for Linda returning by him doing this, you know, I mean, that's where we're at with that group, but, and WWE actually, to be fair, they're doing a, a pretty good job right now of appealing to its existing fan base, but yeah, For something to succeed, it needs to have an audience. And this has an audience. Take a look at CNN Plus, this disgraced endeavor. Okay, you're paying attention to the news. (laughs) CNN, cable news, that's a more mainstream thing than AEW and pro wrestling, right? There was no audience for CNN Plus. There's an audience for this AEW New Japan uh, super show. It might be a niche audience. But it's a large enough niche audience to make it successful, which we'll get into. And for the record, WWE is a niche audience.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ryan,
3: Justin, it's a larger niche, again, than AEW, but it's a niche nonetheless. It's not like WWE is water cooler discussion at the office, right? Like I work by myself from home. So I'm not a good example. But uh, my guess, Ryan, all right, in the teacher's room, the daily discussion isn't Ukraine. NBA playoffs, Seth freaking Rollins. My guess is <laughs> that's not how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not how that goes, I guess. So there's an... And things can be successful without your neighbors knowing about it, I think is the next point. We we talked... Yeah. We started making cute jokes, Liam and I, on the uh, extra show, but look at all Japan, New Japan, AAA in the 90s, even New Japan now. When... when Triple A was outdrawing WWE and WCW in LA in the 90s. D- do you think Antonio Peña was worried that Jim down the road had never heard of his promotion?
2: No, you give a sure shit. Sure, kept him
1: up many nights. Yeah.
2: So yeah, man. You know, even the argument that this is just for their existing fans doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, like, so they're putting Dynamite and Rampage on the New Japan Network, right? They're going to start airing that on their mm-hmm. streaming service.
1: Yeah. New Japan well, world.
2: Doesn't this pay-per-view won't this maybe reach out to maybe just new Japan fans. They're like, Hey, look at this big time deal. mate, you know, get them more interested in AEW and bring in more fans, which is, you know, they're not casual, but
3: yeah, that, no, that's a good point because the idea that every AEW fan watches new Japan and vice versa is not true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been told by at least one person. So this this event is going to happen right after Dominion, which is t- typically New Japan's second biggest show of the year outside of Wrestle Kingdom. This is going to happen r- just a couple of weeks after that. And then the G1 starts in July, mid-July, runs through mid-August, that this should be leading to some AEW talent doing the G1. Hmm. Should lead into that. So there's Makes the sense. talent share. Yep. Moving back the other direction. Uh, I wanted to say in regards to like booking for a more general audience. I mean, I've seen all the jokes on Twitter about all the bad faith politics articles we deal with every four years, yeah. you know, about, oh, how do you appeal I, to this centrist was, voter who's voted yeah. both directions in the past and how nauseating that is?
3: Yeah, I was so happy to see those on Twitter because I told the joke <laughs> on the extra show and I didn't think it landed well. I was like, yeah, was that too inside baseball? And then I see everyone else making it. So that yeah. i patting myself on the back.
1: But what I want to say about that is. If you look at every time the business has boomed post rock and wrestling, it did work. You know, that was a general audience with the MTV and the music and stuff. Okay, I'll give you that. But you look at the times the business has boomed after that. So Austin 316, NWO. Those were wrestling centric angles. Those aren't those aren't angles that you would go in thinking, oh yeah, this is going to appeal to the mass audience. You know, mm-hmm. they were just good wrestling angles and they grew the business because it was good wrestling television and people were interested. I don't think a New Japan show is going to do that because it is a foreign company. It'll, it'll draw drum up some interest. But again, like you and Liam were talking about this. I think Liam made the point of the pay-per-view conversion rate that AEW does, which is Phenomenal when you look at this company doing about a million viewers every week, and they'll do two hundred thousand pay per view buys. I mean, that's mind blowing. WWE would kill to have that kind of conversion back in the day on their pay per views. Mm-hmm. So they have a loyal audience. This appeals to the loyal audience. It might draw in a few more fans that are indie fans slash you know New Japan fans. There's this only positive. This is and, the dream scenario for their most hardcore fans. That's who you want to satisfy.
3: It is if you're just an AEW fan in general, isn't this like one of the most exciting things they can do? Like, it might be more exciting than full gear or revolution to you. Mm -hmm. Like, it might be what, you know, I mean, if you're just somebody, oh, wow, this this is, you know, I I think that's certainly a possibility. And in terms of growing your audience, look, no one's saying that you shouldn't try to grow your audience. Yeah, we should try to grow your audience. I don't think Tony Khan's like, okay, I'm cool with this 970,000 <laughs> people that watch every week. I am i don't want anymore. These are these are my people. No, but there's two kinds of fans, okay, there, that aren't watching AEW. One is WWE fans that for whatever reason don't like AEW. And... It's clear that the, those people, for whatever reason, being close minded or otherwise, they're not coming over anymore. They know about the product and they've decided they don't want to watch it. And it what, would be a mis- it- Go ahead.
2: What- What's it called when uh, hostages start to sympathize with the people that are holding them hostage? I think that's what's going on there.
3: Stockholm syndrome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah, what's yeah. happening with those. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. It would be a mistake, and I think we would all agree to this. It would be a mistake to cater to those people at the expense of your currently satisfied audience. If you're Tony Khan, yeah. you don't want to be like, oh, shit, you know what? WWE has more fans than us, so I should. That's never worked. WCW tried doing that under Herd. TNA always tried doing it, and it it doesn't work. You know, when WCW surpassed WWF for those famous 83 weeks, they were different. They were – Bischoff, who I don't care for, as listeners of this podcast know, has always been, you know, very forthright and consistent in saying, you know, when he took over, he listed a bunch of things that WWF does this, so I'm going to do this instead. And it was successful. So they shouldn't cater to those people. But now you kind of talked about this moments ago, Ryan, everyone else, people that just aren't watching wrestling. There's never a guarantee you can actually attract these people. You can't deliberately do something and say, okay, here's an angle. And my God, the dam is going to break. We are going to bring in 200,000 fans with this angle. If we do it, guys, you can't do that. There's just no, like, I mean, okay, there's some things that you probably sit back and say, oh, fuck, this is pretty good. But you can't just create that. And the, the dam breaks, all those fans come, as you alluded to, Ryan, when you get a super hot product that the existing fan base is really excited about. Something like the NWO in Austin McMahon. You know, when people are starting, you're like, wow, this is getting like real popular over here. What's going on? That's what attracts those people, not a specific angle. It's just the word of mouth and recognizing, hey, this is a popular thing.
1: Yeah. Now, there's a lot going on. I mean, so you think of growing your audience. Yes. Again, you want to grow your audience. It's not a general audience. It's never really been an interest in wrestling that's going to come back. The audience that you can attract are the people that used to watch wrestling perhaps during the Monday Night War when there was what 7-8 million more people watching professional wrestling on a weekly basis than there are right now. You might be able to get some of those people back, mm-hmm. but the more just the general like they always use this term about, you know, the casual fan doesn't exist. Yeah. That's not a real thing with pro wrestling. As you said, it's a niche audience. So, yeah. if you look at what if you look at what WWE has been doing and all of their celebrity involvement, If any of that actually grew the audience, they wouldn't be hemorrhaging their audience. Because if you look, I just looked it up five years ago this week, WWE was doing over three million viewers for Raw. And they're doing out one and a half now. (laughs) They've lost like 50% of their audience from five years ago.
3: There is cord cutting and stuff. But still, I mean, you you just go back. I mean, cord cutting does not explain the entire no. loss of WWE audience
1: streaming factor yeah and streaming services factor into television ratings too i know like some people mm-hmm. maybe they don't watch cable at all and they they catch stuff on youtube but still they've lost a sizable percentage of their audience over the last five to ten years while reaching out to mainstream you know bringing in the bad bunnies and you know everybody else that they brought in celebrity wise I mean, that <laughs> hasn't grown their audience whatsoever no. but if anything maybe it's turned off their existing audience yeah. because they do that kind of thing too much to a fault
3: yeah you know it's funny Tate machines who i know all three of us know he's he he does good match reviews and stuff he had a tweet it's like oh my god my favorite rapper bad buddy is coming to wwe and now i'm going to watch their nine hours of television every week (laughs) 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 they
1: bring these people with like 100 million followers on instagram and stuff but like it doesn't make a difference you don't see any effect on the business whatsoever you know like uh yeah, like I said, they're doing less viewers on all of their television shows every single year, and if any of that worked, you would see it moving the opposite direction. Can,
0: so. can we
3: talk about the most laughable point of this whole discussion now? Because this is yes. what needs because we, we can yes. go in these weird directions and stuff, but it's really a waste of time because of this point. The most fascinating thing about all of this stupid discourse is that everyone, <laughs> even the bad faith actors, OK, are under the assumption that this show will sell out and sell out quickly.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's
3: so please tell me, Justin Joynt, how a show that appeals to an existing fan base and sells out quickly is somehow not successful. <laughs> please explain that to me. I don't understand now. OK, fair is fair. We're an objective podcast. Always have been, always will if this show does struggle to draw for whatever reason and no one thinks that's the case, but if it does, then there's a problem. But I don't think, but right. I mean, I don't know who, if if you've talked to anyone of note or what Ryan, Ryan today, but like, I mean, the expectations the shows going to sell out probably right away. Right. I mean, yeah,
1: it's expected to be a tough ticket. I'm I'm hoping to go. I don't for sure. know if I'm going to be able to go yet or not, I'm hoping to go. And, I mean, I'm worried about getting tickets, to be honest with you, or not sitting. Look, the United Center is a very large building. It is uh, the largest, I believe it is the largest capacity arena in the United States. I mean, so depending on setup, depending on setup, uh, they could do standing room there, too. They do that for Bulls games sometimes. Uh, Depending on how big the stage is, I mean, they could get 20,000 people in there. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I know when they had Rampage there, the capacity wasn't that large. they cut off, you know, sections of of the building for the entranceway and stuff. So we'll see how they set it up. But yeah, I mean, they're going to do, what, 16,000 plus for the show. <laughs> it's expected to happen right away. I mean, it's going to be a big success. Yeah. Um, Kyle, I see you, you had in the notes, too, about what's the effect on All Out. Yes. And I believe Tony has commented this year that All Out will be in Chicago. I think... Who was that the other day? Um, I think, is it ad-free shows? Which, you know, is Conrad's company and they used to do StarCast and stuff. I think they've announced they're doing events in Chicago over Labor Day weekend already. Well, by I think God, I saw it. that on Twitter. If, so, if,
3: Conrad, if Conrad Thompson says he's going somewhere, then that's where the money is, apparently.
1: I, th- I, mean, <laughs> I mean, they're not, I don't think they're taking all out of Chicago. Okay. I don't yeah, think I, it's going to happen.
3: Okay, because my next question with that is, I was, I was going to pose that to you, but um, we you've already answered it. I, I, I guess was, no, no, no. I'm glad you did, but the non. I guess this question's irrelevant. I was gonna say, you know, taking Chicago. If you take all out away from Chicago, do you would you have risked a Starcade out of Greensboro situation? Remember, Starcade 80, in '87. Pete, mm-hmm. it's Meltzer wrote for years. The people of Greensboro never forgave the NWA for taking Starcade yeah. away from them. So, but if they're not gonna do it, then that's a silliness. Silly question. I mean,
1: obviously, they, they could change the schedule, but I'm fairly certain I had seen Tony at some okay. point this year comment that it, yeah, that's the tradition, and I think he had even said they were con- going to continue doing it at the Now Arena, which I was hoping they wouldn't because it's in the middle of nowhere and it's a small building and it's it's a tough ticket. They could yeah. definitely sell more more tickets than that. They could run it at the United Center. They could run it at I don't know if WWE has an exclusive, but if they could run the All State, it's a little bit smaller than United Center, but it's closer to the city. So I don't know. Justin, do you think they should ever move all out from Chicago?
2: Um, I mean, I'm mean, if they keep selling it like they do, keep selling out, then I don't I don't see why they should. You know, it'd be nice if if they keep growing, you know, to the point where maybe they need a big stadium show. And if the Bears could hurry up and build something new, that'd <laughs> be nice. But yeah. that's the only way I'd see them ever taking it somewhere else is if they have the ability to sell out that big of a, a show it, but you know, Chicago wouldn't be able to provide that.
1: No. Yeah. Th- there was some speculation about that for this show. I did see some sites running with this narrative that it was going to be a stadium show. And from the person I talked to, that was never under discussion. It was always going to be at the United center. I don't, that would have been a difficult poll to on short notice, sell out a stadium. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think Wrigley actually was open that week. I looked up the calendar soldier field even bigger like that's not gonna happen on short notice in an event like this i don't know if it would have been the right time probably not but yeah i was told it was always the united center i think i wrote an article last week on sc scoops about united center was the plan so yeah it's it's gonna sell out it's gonna be huge it lived up to my expectations i was hoping that would be it it kind of leaked that that was definitely the case and you know then after i had confirmation from some people i was excited about it i'm very excited to hopefully go i don't know if i can. Rope Kyle Ross to go to Chicago again, but be great to get the crew together.
3: Mm-hmm. We'll see. So. That's in the midst of a very hectic summer travel schedule for yours. Yes. I've loaded yes. up after two years of no travel. I've, we've <laughs> load, we were not shy about the vacations. Um. By the way, it's interesting that we were, you know, I made the Starcade reference. Where did they move when they took it away from Greensboro? Where did they put it? Chicago. Mm hmm. So that's yeah. kind of an interesting connection there, I guess. But uh, what did you guys think about the announcement itself on Dynamite? I thought it was a little clumsy. Tony is so yeah. freaking goofy, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not Martin's wearing jacket. that. He's, yeah, he's wearing that jet. You know, uh, you know, it's New Japan that they're treating it totally professional. And then, yeah, yeah, Tony looks like he's ready for a night on the town. And then you have Adam Cole, Bay Bay, and Jay White interrupt it and like kind of cut promos.
1: I didn't really like that. Yeah. It was, it was
2: a clumsy way to introduce this bullet club versus undisputed elite angle, which looks to be a possible headliner for that show. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: But (laughs) I thought was, was Adam Cole, do you think like he was just able to deliver the announcement more professionally than Tony would have been? <laughs> like I, I thought, like Cole, here is a guy he's you know a performer on the show, but I thought he was like a total pro laying yeah. out the announcement. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, t- would Tony have been able to do it that well?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a nice touch to have the New Japan uh, president there. Mm-hmm. I liked that. That was a cool surprise. Um, it was a little awkward how it was interrupted, but I, I thought, like you did, Kyle, that maybe. Tony wasn't confident about his performance abilities in this situation, so that's why they did that, but yeah, it's it's going to tie into the show for sure, Yeah, I think, yeah. so.
3: And you mentioned maybe some AEW guys going over and working the G1. Here's another reason you do this. Brian Danielson, when he signed, wasn't the talk that an ability to work New Japan, one of the reasons he signed with AEW? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That alone justifies doing shows like this, <laughs> because it was a reason you got Brian Danielson.
1: Yeah. Does yeah, Kenny get the Omega cool combat club to go worldwide? Yeah. There you go.
3: Does Kenny Omega return in time for this show?
1: Boy, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping so. He's going to feel a we lot see of him pressure. At or nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's going to feel a lot of pressure, you think. It's inter- like, you know, I only he knows how he's... well, I'm sure some others around him know how he's doing, but my guess is, you know, a show, he's going to feel a lot of pressure to want to come back and work this show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, probably more, more so than double or nothing.
1: Yeah. But, I, to, to clarify, I don't mean um, work a match at double or nothing, but like appear at the event, either yeah. a run in or just come out or something like that. Yeah, I was anyway, going to say, just, is
2: this like pressure on himself? Or, I mean, I can't imagine that he's going to make or break, you know, selling out. They they have enough talent. No, 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 no. I,
3: I mean, like personally. He mm-hmm. wants to yeah, work okay. the show as my guest. Like he he's yeah. he's like, okay, wow, this is a big I want to work that. So Hundred percent What do you headline with, I guess? I don't know the answer to that.
1: I mean, gut reaction is Punk has to headline with some kind of dream match. And then that's gonna factor in our discussion about double or nothing. And does punk come over there? So he comes into the show as the world champion. And then do you do a, a world yeah. champion versus world champion no. match with Okada? Punk's been teasing Okada on his social yeah, media. Yeah, he has of been. And,
3: and, then, and then politically, how do you get out of that? Are we going to have Rick Knox
1: in Red Shoes mm-hmm. each exactly. make but a three count? That's yeah. why you
3: can't do that.
1: There's just
2: no good way out of that one.
1: Rick so Knox. Then, does that mean Punk doesn't win the title at double no. or nothing and they still do the match with Okada? It's going to be really interesting.
3: Red Shoes will have seen uh, Punk throw Okada <laughs> over the top rope, but uh, David Manning will run in for old time's sake and count to
1: three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if they do the stuff with uh like you know they lean to with cole and everything and, and jay white i think punk's got to be in the main event they i think that that would be Tog- the semi main yeah mm-hmm. so you know we'll see but uh dream matches then i mean we, we're kind of getting at that there with to me i i know people have been talking and i even see it in the chat here people throwing out uh kenta versus punk gts versus gts and kenta throughout the challenge on yeah, uh, twitter how do you guys feel about that match?
3: Eh, I think Punk needs to work something bigger. No offense. I know Kenzo yeah. would love that situation, but he's working at angle there.
2: I think mm-hmm. that's a dynamite main event more than a
1: pay-per-view. Yeah. I 100% agree. I, that doesn't do it for me for this show at all. I got to see him work Okada if that's my number one. I mean, there's obviously really? other options. More, yeah. More so oh, yeah. You'd
2: rather see that than Okada and Danielson?
1: I'd like to see Danielson potentially work Zack Sabre Jr.? Maybe Tanahashi. But to to me, Okada and Punk is the match I want to see right now.
2: Yeah, I would have said Punk and Tanahashi and then do Okada and Danielson. Although I, I definitely at some point in my life need to see Zack Sabre Jr. versus
1: Danielson. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Kyle?
3: Hmm. I don't know. I feel like. You're right. The political ramifications have to factor. In. You can't do like a double pin or something where neither. I, um, I don't know. Punko Okada because they teased it. I mean, that does seem like the biggest match you could do. But at the same yeah. time, here's something to consider. It's the first time they're doing this. You mentioned, I think, Ryan, or am I dreaming this? That this could be an, a, a regular, like an annual occurrence. They do something with New Japan. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to do, I guess, the biggest match right away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Punk Okada really does stand out to me. Mm-hmm. I, so I was seeing some, uh, some other people throw stuff out there today, and well, it seemed well, okay.
1: One thing that's interesting is how the women factor in. So you got to think there's going to be maybe like crossover with stardom, which is like the sister mm-hmm. promotion of New Japan, because New Japan doesn't have the women. So there's gonna probably be stardom on this show as well for the women because they're not going to completely leave out the women so i don't know there's a there's a lot of ways you could go here i mean you could have sammy guevara working will osprey you could have takagi getting involved with sammy guevara potentially of course we got jay white on this show where does adam page factor in um we'll see yeah i mean who does ftr work i think there could be
3: like do you like the idea also of like an AEW guy teaming with the New Japan guy or something like that? Nah, yeah. somebody I think oh, it you could know? work.
1: I, okay. I like that because it's like a it's a tag team you wouldn't normally see any other time in the year. I like that. Yeah. So, but
2: is this just going to be like a bunch of dream matches with kind of no real stakes, or, or do we are we going to need some like actual title matches in there or qualifiers for G one or I mean it can't just kind of feel like a exhibition show.
1: Yeah. G one for sure. I think we'll have, we'll have, I think the rest of the show is going to be built up as dream matches that you can only see one night of the year. Um, But I do think there'll be yeah. Qualifiers for the G one or some tie in with the G one for sure. That's what I've heard.
3: Yeah. I mean, okay. I see what you're saying. You don't want these matches just to exist in a vacuum. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think if you want to keep the relationship going, you do run some sort of angle. What that is, I don't know offhand.
1: It's hard to do it, though, at the same time, because I don't want them to do this all the time. I want it to yes. stay like a special deal. So if you're only going to run one mm-hmm. show a year, do do a few tie-ins here and there, like how, how the New Japan talent has worked Dynamite. Um, and, you know, do the G1 involvement. You well, know, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm but saying. Like, but outside of the G one, like how do you really work a storyline yeah. for some? Well, that's show what I'm like
3: saying. You, you don't need some big invasion type storyline. I'm saying yeah. like you do something at the show that bleeds into like the G one or something like that. I don't know. Like you like Danielson. I don't know. like something that enhances his involvement or gives him a reason to get involved with the G one.
2: You mm-hmm. know, as far as this being like a once a year occurrence, I, I think this first one's going to be the only one that truly feels special because as this relationship grows, I mean, you don't think we're going to keep getting guys jumping back and forth, you know, especially with, you know, I'd assume Moxley and Danielson will both be in the G1. We're going to see a bunch of these, you know, quote unquote dream matches uh, through the course of the year. Uh, So, you know, you know, come around next year to another AEW New Japan show and we'll probably have already
1: seen a lot of the matchups.
3: That's a good point. Yeah. After a while, the well will run dry. So
1: it's, it's a little difficult though, just because of the the distance we're talking about between the promotions and the schedules, you know, like whoever works the G one, they're going to be off AEW television for a month. So most likely I doubt they're going to be traveling back and forth. So insert uh, joke
3: here. (laughs) (laughs) about being on AEW TV for a month?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, if you, if you have an absolute tippy top star, though, someone who does appear on the show every, every single week, it, it will be a commitment to be off for a few weeks, but yeah, I don't know. There's challenges, but it's it's very exciting for sure, I think. Tim mentioned the chat like one night stand. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you don't have the huge storylines going in. Uh, you know, you have like the cash-in situation with RVD and stuff, but overall, they're just special matches for one night.
3: Hopefully no one beats the shit out of Blue Meanie this time.
1: <laughs> uh, Jesse in the chat. Uh, we are living in a world where Punk will go from his couch seven years removed from being an active competitor to likely wrestling Okada at the United Center. Not on my 2022 bingo card. No kidding. Well said. Yeah. Wild. Good take. Uh should we transition to Kyle? You had some thoughts from Dynamite you wanted to yeah. discuss?
3: Yeah, let's blow through this. Maybe I could do this in Excalibur like fashion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ryan doing the old ad reads or uh yeah. get those get those plugs in. Subscribe. By the way, I didn't even do that tonight. Please subscribe uh, to our channels. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast feeds. Okay, go ahead, Kyle.
3: All right, so let's talk about Punk, I thought Punk and Dustin was very good. Yes, Don't know about I you agree. guys. Uh, yeah, uh, I saw some people describe it as a PWO message board dream match. That made me laugh. <laughs> uh, it very much was. Uh, credit to those guys for getting the crowd to bite on a few near falls on Punk, because <laughs> the idea of him losing to Dustin Rhodes in 2022 seems quite ludicrous. Yeah, so, like the fact that somebody would go, like, "Oh my," like you know, would actually buy into that. That that is a testament to the work. But
2: Not only that, but a testament to how beloved Dustin Rhodes is. Yes, yeah. good point. Mm-hmm.
3: Very good point. Um, and, but most importantly, I think, is afterwards we get the first official tease of Paige and Punk. You know, I mean, Punk had been doing the, you know, discount, you know, as Jim Ross said, the not discount double check, but whatever, the just, you know, the belt motion. Liam and I talked about this a bit on the extra show. How would you guys book that match right now? punk versus page at double or nothing. Cause it's obviously going to be the head minor.
2: So mm-hmm. here's what I would do. I would have them do a battle Royal and they come face to face towards the end of it. And then in the following weeks, they, they just kind of trade hitting each other with their finishing maneuvers in the week before the pay-per-view, you put out a, a video package to Limp biscuits my way with those two. That's what I would do
1: okay i thought you were going rumble 90 at first when he started going into it it's like oh okay i see where he's going that
2: works too that works too (laughs) that's good um no uh seriously though uh i don't know if they could play into it but i think a lot of people have been a little disappointed with hangman's title run and if you can play into that where maybe Hangman doesn't feel like he's been getting the respect he deserves, he's barely on Dynamite, you know, when he is just for a few minutes, and even though he's he's out here putting on these classic matches.
3: <laughs> I'm not on the collector's cups. That'd, that'd be a good <laughs> shout-out back to the pipe, bomb. <laughs> Uh, But, you know,
2: in, in his mind, the way to get that respect, uh, and he was the one who came out after Punk's match, is, uh, hey, I got to beat Punk. To get the the respect I deserve as champion.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: I like that. Who wins?
1: Punk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah.
1: I agree. I would have or- Punk win. I think. Yeah, the dynamics can be difficult with them both being baby faces. I mean, you kind of hinted at it, Justin. Do you consider turning page? No. I what do you think Kyle. No. no. Go ahead. Finish your thought, Justin. Sorry.
2: No, I just, I, I don't think the fans are in any way shape or form ready to boo hangman
3: page
0: it's not that
3: punk is or pardon me page is doing a bad job it's that his title win and ascent coincided with the biggest possible thing that aew could have done which was bringing cm punk mm-hmm. and it's just it with the time i think punk wins here and then down the line towards the end of punk's run Maybe he's a heel at that point, and he puts Paige back over. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're thinking long-term, that's the strategy if you're Tony Khan.
2: That's my only big question mark with this is I think he got to go Punk.
3: I, I, I
2: The fear with Paige winning is the fans turning on him because they want to see Punk win so badly.
3: And but what do you do with Punk?
2: That yeah, day? but then like Punk's title reign, my first assumption was, well, that's going to end with MJF getting his first title run. Um, so I just, I don't know. I have a tough time seeing Hangman being the one to get it back I'll, as much as I'd love to see that, especially against a, a heel Punk.
3: Well, I'm not even necessarily saying he's the one who ends that run. Like, I'm just just down the line. Oh, maybe gotcha. it's, not, maybe okay. it's not even a title match at that time. Maybe gotcha. Hangman just beats him in a one-on-one. But uh, I do think if you're putting Punk over Page at Double or Nothing, which we all agree is probably going to happen, Punk has to do the honors back. Or, I mean, if Hangman just struggled, then maybe you don't have to, but I don't know. I I think that's something you'd want to keep in your back pocket.
1: Um, Yeah, I I, I agree again on Punk winning. I feel like he's, he feels like the biggest thing on the show every week. He's still getting massive reactions. I mean, he's been back several months now, and the time is now like this guy doesn't have years and years left on his career. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to wrestle that long. So you can't keep putting it off this. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Adam page is going to be wrestling for a long time. Knock on wood. You can always run it back with him. Um, But with, uh, yeah, with punk, who knows what the future holds. I would go to him right now. I probably wouldn't turn page either. I just brought it up because it seems like, I think you could rationalize it because, There is room at the top of the card for a a top heel in that kind of world title level picture. Because don't you think when Kenny comes back, he's going to get cheered? Yes.
3: You know what? So here's what I was thinking, though. Like, all right, if you don't turn because if you turn page, here's the thing. You're not going to justify the turn by having him succeed. And and Mm -hmm. by succeed, I mean winning the title back. At least I don't think you would do that. So it'd be like a dead end turn. And it's very funny what you just brought up with Omega. I agree with you. He'll be cheered when he comes back, for sure. And Liam and I were talking about what you do with the Undisputed Era moving forward, the Undisputed Elite. And this came to me after we recorded. What if you reunited Hangman and Omega as baby faces to feud with the Undisputed Elite? Ooh.
1: Mm, Ooh, I like that. Yeah?
3: Because, I I don't know. I, I think that's something they might do
2: um i do like uh tim's comment here about a win over punk would help him uh really legitimize page as a main eventer and that does have me thinking does does a loss to punk
1: kind of hurt him at all i mean he's had some big wins though yeah i
3: mean mean, here's the thing okay because people are gonna like there's the argument that well you should just go on to punk right away I don't necessarily agree with that because you just didn't know. You know, I think punk wasn't confident yet in his abilities. He's working off seven years of ring rust. Remember? And it's not, you know, the people who want to just like throw this Adam page title run on the scrap heap of life to me are out to lunch. This is a guy who as world champion was able to decisively beat Brian Danielson, Mm -hmm. beat Adam Cole twice. To me, the story is not that this guy's some failure. Here's two guys fresh off WWE television, apparently they can't cut it where the big boys play. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, You know? So, I mean, I, I think Paige's run has been very good. It's just Punk is the big, like you said, Ryan, he's the biggest thing on the show and he should be the champion, right?
2: now. Yeah. For the record, I, I 1,000% agree with you. I have actually loved Hangman's title run. It's just, you, you hear the chatter that it's it's been a well, disappointment
3: and to and some. And again, people could check this out on that extra show to plug it one last time. I don't think that's necessarily all Hangman's fault. He hasn't been made to mm-hmm. feel like the centerpiece yeah. of the promotion. But all right, let's. I'm really gonna have to go Excalibur here now. <laughs> all right, Wheeler Yuta. He continued to prove that he is worthy of being in the Blackpool Combat Club. So much so that I could probably argue you don't need to add anyone else to this group right now. Thoughts?
1: Yeah. Go ahead. No,
2: I. Yeah, I agree. Especially if there's the possibility of some trios titles coming. You think about. Them in the house of black and got the undisputed elite, Uh, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, in a small side note, uh, small thing that to me is a big upgrade his change of tights. One of the things I didn't really like about Wheeler Yuta was his previous tights. Big people
3: hated those tights.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do like the blood, yeah. The look with the blood is is cool. Uh,
2: And the other thing, just for this match, that I'd point out is Daniel, uh danielson wearing merch which he said he doesn't like to do which obviously i think he's doing that because some of that money is going into regal's pocket Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think you you risk watering it down it feels perfect right now now four people is not a huge group it's not the old nwo by any means uh four could work but it just feels so perfect what justin mentioned with the trio situation coming up probably at some point uh, you got Regal doing the manager bit. I, I think it's perfect right now. I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't add anyone to it right now. You can keep it running and maybe down the line, but it feels just right.
3: Yeah, it, it also depends
1: the, on... Sorry, go ahead.
3: Oh, i so say Regal's having the time of his life on commentary, by oh, the yeah.
2: way. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the main thing is it was all. It would all just depend on who it would be if they brought in a fourth. Mm-hmm.
3: True. But I mean, I, I think by not bringing in a fourth, it's really allowing that spotlight on Yuta and he's delivering right now. Uh, He's absolutely uh, yeah, delivering.
2: He came off as a huge star in that match. They the the fans were all about him. And uh, speaking of the match, I I love the spot at the end when all three of them just started beating the crap out of somebody with the elbow strikes and the kicks to the face.
3: And on the other side of the trio's match last night, Lee Moriarty, the hometown boy, he got a little shine on the losing side. That was good. But you know, we talked about earlier Punk and Dustin being a PWO message board dream match i thought that trios match last night was straight out of wcw saturday night 1992 or worldwide from that year and i mean that as a total compliment right that was just like they used to love running those six mans uh on the b shows back in the day uh wardlow mjf that feud continues to progress in a positive direction do you guys think AEW could quote-unquote get away with doing Wardlow versus Sean Spears at double or nothing? Reason being, you don't want to beat MJF two pay-per-views in a row.
1: Mm. Oh boy, that's risky. I,
2: yeah, I don't I don't necessarily like that. I mean, as far as selling tickets goes, yes, they can get away with it. There's going to be enough other stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's not a ticket to be had, from what i yeah, that's Yeah, that,
2: that too. That too. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be disappointing. I, I would rather see shenanigans in an MJF win.
3: Wow. I was going to say the opposite. I would like if they just went over the top with shenanigans and Wardlow overcame them against mm-hmm.
2: Spears. Well, just in, in in regards to you don't want MJF losing two pay-per-views in a row. And yes. what would you do with
1: MJF? Would he just accompany Spears to the ring and not work the show?
3: I, that's an interesting thing because I don't know what else he would do. Yeah. That's I mean, I mean, I it's want, such I, a big I event. Yeah. But I mean, they, I don't
1: know. They it's, haven't it's, had double or nothing in Vegas since the debut either. This is supposed to be a yearly thing in Vegas. It's it feels like a huge weekend and you know the guy wants to wrestle on the show. And it's not like the fans are gonna revolt, but there would be disappointment, I think.
3: Yeah. I, I just I, I'm thinking about this and you could have MJF make the mistake of entrusting Spears and Spears is the one who blows it. Mm -hmm. losing you know wardlow gains his freedom at spears expense and then mjf uses that as an excuse to just like dump spears and he kind of has to create a whole new group from scratch i don't know i I mean again i don't know it could just be wardlow and spears is going to happen i i understand that most people think that's a tv match but at the same time we talk about the pacing of those pay-per-views true wardlow and spears you know you're getting into that third hour of pay-per-view time. You might welcome that match mm-hmm. at that point of the pay-per-view. Who knows? Who knows? Just the thought I had, uh, Chad repack can't go show up. Mention that guy. Uh, he messaged me earlier today with an idea that next week on dynamite, cause Wardlow's working Lance Archer, and they did the promo with Jake Roberts, uh, MJF did. They should do an ankle. This was Chad's idea where after Wardlow wins next week, he gets handcuffed again. And then Jake brings the Cobra back.
1: Oh my Ooh. God. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing.
3: Yeah. He, he was very happy with himself on that idea. I, <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. Quite
1: frankly. Well, well done Chad. I like yeah. that.
3: Um, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, got a much needed win last night. I thought JR's Oh, Oh, O'Reilly joke landed by the way. I chuckled <laughs> when he did that. Uh, Kind of shocked Jungle Boy lost clean. And again, there was no Christian turn. My God, by this point, I'll be 62 years old when Christian turns heel.
1: Um, they're leaning into it, though. Like, you wondered yeah. when he came out if it was coming. So, well,
3: like, if that would have been real odd, though. Like, after he loses clean, then Christian turns on him. Then you're like, jeez, what a loser this Jungle Boy is.
1: <laughs> for, yeah, for I mean, me, it, it came out with a look like maybe he's disappointed in him. He's going to mm-hmm. slap him, you know, or something. Continue. But
2: for me, it wasn't so much Jungle Boy losing. It was just the ending of the match felt a little off. It felt like it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I think the wind did a lot more for Kyle O'Reilly than it probably would have done for Jungle Boy. I mean, he's kind of a made man at the moment. And as as we've all mentioned in recent podcasts, whether it be me and Ryan last week or you on Extra, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's been kind of floundering since he came into
3: AEW. So he needed it. Does he look like, I don't know, like he's kind of like not in great shape? Or is that me? I mean, I'm not in great shape, okay? Let's not, like, <laughs> I don't know. He just seems like he's not, like, in, in as good a shape as he was in an NXT physically. Am I seeing things? I don't
2: know. Uh, I would have to compare some photos. Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Before and after. Uh, um, Hook and Danhausen. crowds seem to be into that. By the way, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, I know you'll love this one, Ryan. Uh, typically a dead crowd. For WWE through the years. I mean, Pittsburgh has been some of those comatose crowds for Raw in history. They're, they've they been hot for AEW now both times. that where, uh,
1: Bret Hart said you'd stick the hose for the Enema? Yes, it was. Back yeah, in the I day.
3: Mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've had a live crowd since that show uh, for <laughs> yeah. WWE. Yeah, well, that no, was probably King the best
1: the, WWF. Well, King of the Ring 98, 98 wasn't Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So, but I mean, after the glory period, right? I mean, Pittsburgh's always had that reputation as being a. a Terrible audience. And speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, Britt Baker, I saw some people criticize her for her promo. She seemed a little winded. She was just throwing lines out willy-nilly.
1: That was interesting because, you know, you you and Liam, again, plugging the extra show, um, you talked about how there might be some heat with Baker behind the scenes. uh, Her and and Thunder Rosa. Her and Thunder Rosa. And she made the comment in this promo last night about how you know like the division basically like the division's nothing without her kind of thing and and she sounded like a little not nervous but like a a little shaky and i wondered if that was like nerves or just like real anger you know like she really what she was saying i I don't know probably reading into it too much but she did seem especially since it was her hometown she did seem a little not on edge but like maybe not as smooth as usual with the delivery
3: she also hadn't so. worked a match in over a month. Maybe I don't know. Maybe she was a little gassed. Yeah, I don't yeah. I mean, it wasn't that's like probably went, it. Honestly, she didn't go Broadway, but I mean, and that's a reasonable thing. You know, you're a little tired after a match. You shouldn't be able to, you know, perform a, you know, Broadway right after doing a wrestling match. I don't think. Uh, I think the most, you know, whatever the promo was, what it was. I think the most important thing to come out of that segment to answer some of the criticism is Britt Baker still came across like a big time star. Yes. In her hometown with the terrible towels, and what I love the most is that uh, the two Steelers that came out, Najee Harris, good back, you know. I mean, he's he's a mm-hmm. key cog on that offense. They they didn't overshadow her in WWE. You know, you would have had the announcers like you know, opining for like Franco Harris to descend from the heavens <laughs> or something, right? Yes. Here they were the background; she was the foreground. And she came across as the bigger star than the two NFL players, and that's the way it should be. And at no. the end, at the end, did you notice? Did was it Najee Harris grabbed the microphone? Yes, and I thought tried he was going to gonna take cut the him, mic. And she was like, "No." And I she like he like kind oh, of awkwardly
1: me. handed it to him, like oh, okay. And then he started yeah. talking, and you could faintly hear him, but they yeah they had the mic off. Okay, no, it looked like he continued to talk to the crowd.
2: <laughs> name me one time that the WWE has made a celebrity look better than an
3: everyday (laughs) talent.
1: (laughs) Let me count the
2: ways. Has that that even happened recently?
3: I don't know. You know, it's funny. I I think with the way the matches have broke, that the SmackDown color commentator should be the number one contender for the US title. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Can't wait to talk about him live tomorrow night and talk about that commentary. Jesus,
3: turn it down. Uh, the misses on Dynamite were a very objective podcast. Okay, we're not going to just say they were all hits. There were two. I thought the Sammy and Ty promo could have been better. Uh, Ty, let's just not sugarcoat this one. Iota, she looked very attractive. Okay. Uh, and she was willing to play the heel part. I thought she did mm-hmm. a good job, but it seemed like Sammy with his promo, I was thinking about it, he, it just was like, He came out and I think he was just sort of expecting the crowd to take over and carry the segment. Did you guys pick up on that? Because it was a real half assed promo. Like, there was no justification or no, like, this is why I'm turning. It's like, okay, you know, we've heard the booze. All right, here I am, boomy. And I just didn't think that was very good. Then, like, I really don't know about men. Well, men of the year, there's a case that they could be baby faces, but I don't know about. dynamite Dan Lambert being a baby face
1: that yeah. is odd yeah
2: yeah that, that was my problem the segment is just like I, I don't like either of, of these groups you know it's like yeah. they're all unlikable
3: do, you, do, do we wonder if they were running low on time and they were kind of like flustered because like when men of the year came out my god they were like trying to do, cut the promo at one and a half speed it mm-hmm. felt at least so maybe that was the case and then uh the other thing that I didn't think that hit well last night was the Darby Andrade finish.
2: Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I Darby, felt the same way about that as I did the the finish of jungle boy and Kyle O'Reilly. She's like, wait, what's going on here?
3: Yeah. Cause Darby, he hit one of those great topes that he mm-hmm. does it, you know, onto Andrade in the cat coffin, not a casket, the coffin. And it's like, okay, that should have ended it. But then they like kept going a couple more minutes with Jose and then I thought Jim Ross was pretty good most of last night. But did he forget that Jose is kind of in good shape? Because he did the feel like Jose started taking his shirt off, and Jared's like, oh no, Jose, don't do that. But Jose's kind of like jacked yeah. for a guy who carries the tablet <laughs> around, man.
1: Yeah, um, that match, just the match in general, did really do anything for me, to be honest with you. And I like Darby a lot. Andrade, just the, his run with AEW has been pretty it, underwhelming.
2: It apexed
1: pretty early with Sting. <laughs> there was Yeah, that was the best part of the match. It was Yes.
3: Yes, absolutely. I, I thought like after the Sting bit, it just kind of petered. And you know, with Andrade, okay. Let's be fair. And and you know, maybe sometimes we're too critical of guys in the pecking order in WWE too, but like with Andrade, like, okay, it has been, I guess, probably for him certainly disappointing the AEW run. Could you name ten people easily that deserve to be higher on the card than Andrade mm-hmm. in AEW right now? You probably could, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I feel like he's you know he main evented the TV show, which is good. You know he's, he's he's had more TV main events than he ever had with WWE.
4: Yeah,
3: WWE only main evented the, what the two Smackdowns against Ray, which were both great, and then like nothing was done with that.
2: Mm-hmm. So I mean, as you as you are always pointing out, you know you want to see guys in the appropriate spot and. That's where it kind of feels like we're at with Andrade
3: right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he's—I mean, he should lose a few to Darby Al. So mm-hmm. um That's dynamite. I think. I think overall it was a very good show. I yeah. thought two weeks ago the one I missed um, was also very good before that disaster sending. It was funny. I saw the chatter online. I'm reading Twitter while I'm over and I'm like, Jesus, people are really up in arms about this. How bad could this? Did this come off? And I watched it. And I was like, holy God, that was bad. i mean, like, like, the worst part, is, like I knew it was coming, and when the lights came back on and and, and, Sat and F-Sing was there, you could have heard a pin drop. It was like awkward. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think it was bad. It was just so awkward how just silent the crowd was. And then the that's, booing.
2: That's the question I posed to Ryan last week on the pod and mm-hmm. I'll pose it to you here now. If they just don't do the lights out thing with him, like if he just comes down the ramp or comes from the crowd, is it fine or is it even better than fine
3: okay so before i saw it i was i had seen that talking point i was like that seems silly really you people like think it was the lights out thing that was the problem then i watched it, and it absolutely was the problem yes <laughs> <laughs> they should not have yes if he had just sauntered down and they'd be like my god who is this man you know and, they, and then they well they knew who he was but you know look at the side i think it would have worked better yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh Justin and I were doing a, a live watch party over on playback. For I would that. love to and, be a
3: part of that. Yeah. <laughs> well
1: you can yeah, you can you can watch it on demand. It's on our Patreon page. If you want to see Justin and I react how we reacted to it in, in real time, it's available on our Patreon page, the recording from that watch party. It was as we said last week, it was not good. It was very bad. Yeah, it was not great. And props to Tony Khan. He admitted it. Mm-hmm. You know, he went on social media, said the ideas that fans were presenting, like what exactly what Justin said was, would have been a much better way to do it. And that he would learn <laughs> like from how, it.
3: I like how he threw that guy with 30 years of experience out of the bus though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well,
3: funny. you know, I, I wouldn't have done it, but just somebody with 30 years of experience told me to do it that way.
1: And, you know, <laughs> uh, Tim said in the chat, which ending was worse, that or the Kenny Mox match at revolution last year? Um, boy
3: <laughs> the kenny moxing really upset because yeah. just because like yeah. i was the really States. excited for that and like into it and it was just bad like that was just w- the,
2: the match had been damn near perfect in the yes. story and everything with kingston mm-hmm. coming down that, yes. I mean, that was that was the ultimate crescendo that we were about to watch and yeah
3: it's
1: an yeah. awesome match before that awesome yeah. match
3: i mean, sat i saying i mean that's something we've seen before you know we've seen mm-hmm. the debut of clumsy giants and in Bad spots. Have we seen the giant Gonzalez saunter out at the ninety three Rumble? Okay, I mean they didn't turn the lights out for him, but it still sucked ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. We were going to talk about Kushida. We still want to do that, or do you want to go to Kyle? Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's, let's do it. Kushida
3: is pretty quick. So, right. is this the last vestiges of what we foolishly thought Triple H's NXT one <laughs> could be? With like the idea that. Kushida was going to get this big push. Remember they called the, a big press conference for his signing triple H regal. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, there is nothing in the Vince McMahon 40 year playbook that suggests a Japanese superstar or, you know, somebody who had had success over Japan was going to be treated like a big deal in the WWE. And remember that was happening as Nakamura was starting to flounder on the main roster Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, voices of Wrestling, I think they just did a piece on WWE struggles pushing Japanese stars. But, you know, I mean, it's like, are we just, is this just a, yet another example of we look back at NXT and we were fools for thinking that there was going to be some big sea change within WWE? Like, someone, like, like you look back now, like, fucking, we thought they were going to push Kushida? Kushida <laughs> was going to be a main, of, main roster player? Like, what? Were we idiots? I see, I
2: don't ever. I don't get the feeling that he was ever a main roster He was just going to be like that Johnny Gargano NXT yeah. lifer, you know? Did I, they tell I him? Did like,
3: they tell him that?
2: Yeah,
1: I, I always felt like kind of NXT centric too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, I feel that's like asking him to come here. Oh, by the way, we're keeping you on the developmental brand. I mean, was, was he maybe well, asking? This wasn't on my format, Tony.
1: <laughs> well, it also kind of felt like NXT needed a boost. And then maybe he could give that to him. But yeah, Yeah. didn't work out that way at all.
3: Well, in retrospect, the writing was on the wall for Kushida pretty early in that run when there were the reports and Fightful reiterated Mm -hmm. this. Um, I know the report you shared with Justin and I, Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, He didn't share it on social media. He shared it in a DM. Sean, Rossap, don't get upset. Um, (laughs) Come
1: after me. Yes.
3: uh, But, uh, you know, Kushida was like waiting on a locker. In NXT, remember that story that, like, so it's like, oh boy. And I remember hearing that at the time. I remember that it's like, and thinking, you know, NXT's got a logjam problem right now. There's two, the the pipeline ain't moving. And Kushida kind of came in at the time when a lot of people, you mentioned the Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, like, all of a sudden, guys in NXT weren't itching to go up to the main roster anymore. And Kushida, it took him forever to get on a takeover. You know, Mm -hmm. and for a guy who got a press conference to have to wait multiple takeovers to get on the card, that was a bad side, I thought, for the jump. Yeah. And and this needs to be said, okay? And I don't give a damn what anyone says. If you disagree (laughs) with me, you're wrong. Fucking jacket time was racist (laughs) as fuck. So bad. Okay. Sonny Ono is sued for less.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude,
3: Jacket
4: Jacket time.
3: Dude, that was like two steps away from Kai and Ty in 2000. Oh. I mean, they might as well just had those guys saying, indeed. That was bad. <laughs> and Jacket time, that is like the
1: Jacket time! So bad. So bad.
3: Did he even like other than the Gargano match? By the way, did Kushida even like what I, I know he had others on Taker. I can't remember anything he did other than that one Gargano match.
2: Honestly, I've been sitting here trying to even figure out how long he's been there.
1: <laughs> I know, so years. unremarkable.
3: I, I wouldn't know. I had to look up the press conference today, so I know okay. was, the, the press conference was 2019.
1: Mm-hmm. Jacket time, <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 move on to something. Well. Not necessarily better, and that we're commemorating something sad, but better, and that we're talking about, you know, one of the all-time greats, Kyle. And uh, you wanted to mention yesterday was the twenty-three year anniversary of the passing of Rick Rude.
3: Yeah, ravishing Rick Rude. I don't know if it was four twenty or what, but I forgot to mention that on Facebook. So uh, <laughs> here we are now doing it on the podcast. I just wanted to ask you guys real quick: favorite matches, memories of ravishing Rick.
2: He he is in one of my favorite memories of all time that I have mentioned on this podcast approximately a billion times. Clash of the Champion, where he beat Sting for the United States Championship.
3: I knew you were going to mention that
2: for sure.
1: Yeah, it's to me, you know, because his WWF run. I was pretty young. I saw it all after the fact, but I know, like, I remember watching for the first time the feud with Jake and and putting. Jake's wife on his tights—that was pretty memorable. The Warrior Feud, you know, I was big into that as a kid. And then we always talk on the show about his WCW run, and you know how he, it was even better, perhaps, than the mm-hmm. WWF. Yes. run. You talk yeah. about yeah. the Beach in ring, definitely. Yeah, the the Beach Blast match, the thirty minute Iron Man match, is up there as one of his his best matches of all time. uh I think. I just doing this podcast with you guys who were actually fans of WCW in that era, unlike me, who at that time I was just solid WWF, like over the last almost six years doing this pod has opened my eyes many times to Rick Rude's work with WCW. And there's been it's came up multiple times that run with WCW where I have turned on that run different different points from that run while editing the podcast right after the fact when i always throw something on my office tv while i'm i'm mixing the pod for the next hour hour and a half and so i think over the last six years you know i've i've watched a lot of rick root i've never even seen before and gained a greater appreciation for that
3: just a little teaser when we record spring stampede 94 there's gonna be a heck of a talking point surrounding rick root he's on that show Mm -hmm. um and he's it, actually nearing the end of his in-ring career at that point. But there's a hell of a talking point we'll hit there. Um, you mentioned the Jake feud in WF. I absolutely love and will always remember when he got pantsed by Jake, <laughs> when he had the tights on. And Jake's like, I, I'm i going to – he told him, if you wear those tights, I'm going to pull them off. And then he did. And there was the black cir- – I I know he was wearing like a thong for the live yeah. audience, but they put the, fame, the black circle there. I remember watching <laughs> that as a kid. I was like, oh, my God, that man's naked.
1: <laughs> Justin, <laughs> Justin speaking of Rick Rude and Jake a couple of years ago Justin and I went to a Jake Roberts stand-up show here in <laughs> Iowa we actually did Top Rope Nation Extra reviewing it if you go way back in the archives on Patreon you can find that bonus show he told some pretty funny stories about Rick Rude that we uh, we retold on the podcast so if you're a patron check that out it's like one of the very first Top Rope Nation Extras we did I think yeah. but,
3: I, I think favorite Rude matches Warrior SummerSlam 89, the cage match against Piper from December 89 at MSG, the Iron Man that you mentioned, Ryan, and then the first uh, G1 final, him and Masahiro Chono in 92. Rick Rude, you talk about, you know, kind of how he progressed as a worker. He did some good stuff over in Japan. Yeah, well, uh, the match against Sting, which he actually where he suffered the career ending injury is said to be one of his best as well over there.
1: We had recently talked about the Iron Man from Beach Blast like a couple of months ago, because I remember I said on the show when it came up, I hadn't seen it in years. We were and talking about had...
3: Iron Man matches.
1: Yeah. And I recently rewatched that, like oh. within the last two months, probably. And I love the finish of that match so much. And the way like. It's exactly what you think an Iron Man match should be, like yes. trying to pin the guy really, really quick, and you never see that in Iron Man matches. And it's so logical. So I, I mean, I, I love the way at the end for like the last thirty seconds or whatever he's doing whatever he can, you know, after after getting pinned kind of out of nowhere right before that, and, and trying to get that fall to tie it at the end. So good. Yeah, so,
3: I, I, I love that too. It's a great shout not out.
2: Not a, not a singles performance, but obviously wrestlewar War ninety two, the War Games
3: match.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah, I mean, that whole dangerous alliance run. Was yeah. Just oh yeah. Great. I mean, even you know, we talked about it. Think of the Halloween Havoc pod. Him as the Halloween Phantom. Yes. Uh, I have after. the
1: audio on that pod. Uh, yeah. That, of that that, day that is
3: one of his best promos too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, right after a great Paul E. promo. Um, also, anniversaries that uh, yesterday, my the 1991 match of the year, in my opinion. People, i I'll, I'll post a link to this in the Facebook group. The best all Japan six man of the entire nineties: Masawa, Kawada, and Kamashi against Jumbo Saruta, Kiritawa, and Masafuji. This is a six man tag. Got to you. Got to set aside about fifty minutes of your time, folks. So it's but it's was
2: working. this a was this a takeover? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: was this a takeover? <laughs>
1: Did Sean agent this match? Yeah, it was Edge. Actually, it was oh, Edge.
3: Yes. Edge was in a... it. <laughs> I love all that uh thread. Speaking of the Facebook group, cheap plug. Um, it started with it was I think it was Jesse actually yeah. yep. posting the uh FTR match that's going to take place next week on Dynamite in the Owen Cup, and that thread then morphed into a discussion <laughs> of the career of. Uh, of Dennis Knight and Mark Canterbury, a.k.a. the Godwins, <laughs> and and me delivering an extraordinarily long soliloquy on my thoughts on Edge in his entire career.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Never know where you're going to get in that group. Link in the podcast no. description. Join the Facebook group. We say it every week, but a lot of good stuff going on in there. Boys, this was fun. We covered a lot of ground. Good discussion. Great to have Kyle back. I'm sure the listeners... Oh. We did, Loved it having Kyle 70,
3: back. we did it in 75 minutes, too.
1: Heck yeah, man. I, oh, I, was little,
3: I was a little worried coming in tonight. I was like, uh-oh, boy, boy I'm going to unveil these notes. And They're like, this <laughs> fucking guy again, we're going to go two hours. <laughs> Me and Ed. <Edge>. <laughs>
1: now, yeah, now, the Spring Stampede sh- uh, show that we review next week, 94 on Classics, that one's going to go a couple hours for sure. Be
3: uh, yeah, because not only do we have to talk about the show proper, and this will be obvious. I don't know if you guys have even started watch. I've I haven't I've rewatched it yet, but we will have to discuss what the big news was at the time in WCW. That same week, they signed
1: Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Changes on the horizon. That is mm-hmm. for sure.
3: And and if people want to watch the show ahead of time, um, you know, before I think before they listen to our recording. I'll throw this out there now. I think the fascinating thing about spring stampede 94 taking place the same week of the Hogan signing is you watch that pay-per-view of how awesome it is. And you're like, wow, you add the star power of a Hulk Hogan. WCW could really be onto something. And they fucking <laughs> junked the, everything they were doing and just rebuilt the pro, entire promotion and Hogan's image. And, mm-hmm yeah it helped them it's like what wwe does a lot now they do things for corporate reasons it helped them god did fucking the rebuild <laughs> image of wcw under hogan sucks so bad yeah for a while
1: yeah I mean, if you're a patron watching in advance and then uh, when you listen to our review it'll make it more relevant to you and as i said earlier in the show if you're not a patron Two great bonus podcasts here over the next two weeks. Or one already dropped. That one coming next week. 75 shows in the archives the minute you sign up, plus the exclusive video recordings of those playback watch parties we do usually three times a week. So you can check that out. The link is in the podcast description.
3: Yeah. And with Spring Stampede, I mean just the names on that card. It's unbelievable. If you checked out the name, it's unbelievable. I mm-hmm. There's not a I don't think there's a bad wrestler on that show.
1: Yeah. Stacked so uh no
3: bad wrestlers <laughs> tell you it's not on that card spring stampede 94
4: Austin. Jacket time?
1: oh okay <laughs> <laughs> uh hey one other thing before we go if you're out there and you haven't left us a written review on apple it's been quite a while since we've gotten a new written review we've had some star ratings but we would love a good five star written review on apple help us out if you do Send you a free sticker in the mail. Leave your uh, Twitter, or Instagram username in that review. And of course, as I said, subscribe on all the podcasting platforms and on YouTube. This show tonight, we streamed live to YouTube. We streamed it live to Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, four different platforms simultaneously. If you want to listen to the show twice and you're listening on the podcast feed? Check out the video version <laughs> after the fact. There you go. See our smiling faces.
3: And, and, and if you check out the video version, you can see how the my fingernail that was just destroyed is almost, is getting a little it's bit still better. still black. Yeah, the, the, the dried blood is getting less and less. So you can check out the video every week. Maybe we'll, I don't know, compare every month or something. I don't oh, know, man. A of weeks, it's gone.
1: I think you might have painted that. I think you're joining Edge's new faction. Oh, don't start. With Trying that, to get <laughs> in. <laughs>
3: Don't start with it. Dude, how about the fact that the people... Something I missed, but brought a tremendous smile to my face when I was going through Raw trying to play catch-up was the crowd chanting, we don't care at that Edge Davian Priest promo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, they're still smart.
3: (laughs) Apparently, there were still a few decent people in that building.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now we know where you really went on your trip yes I. <laughs> <laughs> alright guys this has been fun uh, we're going to head into the weekend this has been episode 248 of Top Rope Nation appreciate your support take care have a great weekend